Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan, and thank you so much for being here with me. As always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We really appreciate all that they do for us, and I think you should go check them out if you love all things music. Now, today on the show, we have someone that I am tremendously excited to bring to your ears. He is one of my favorite current songwriters. Aaron Lee Tazjin released his latest album in February, and you should most certainly go check it out and then keep going back further into his catalog to really appreciate his range and intelligence as a songwriter. From being interviewed recently by Sir Elton John to an inside look into his creative process, Aaron and I dive into it all. He easily articulates his song stories to us and has a vast appreciation for all things music and the history of music. I truly enjoyed this conversation and think you will too, so please enjoy Aaron Lee Tasjan. Some guys lose their temper and use those nasty words. I just lose my troubles and hell if I don't mind. When I wake up tomorrow, there'll be too easy to find. I, I, I just want to say, first of all, just welcome to the Song Facts podcast and how are you today? You were just writing a song. I'm sure you don't want to spill any beans on that, but how are you? Man, I'm good. Um, and I'm ha- I'm happy I'm happy to spill any any kind of beans on anything. We've got a really good surplus of beans here at the house. So <laughs> if you're if you're looking for some to make a to make some a mess with some beans, I'm your guy. I'm hoping that we do that. Um, I will say right off the bat, I'm a little bit nervous because correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I might be your first interview since you got interviewed by sir elton john <laughs> is this true you have you do you have the distinction yes of being oh the my first lord yeah. i have no idea even what to say with that um <laughs> what, what, what i just gotta ask what was that experience like for you how did that kind of come to be um i i think some uh someone sent him the record a long time ago way before it came out and um we just uh, we had a, a mutual friend, I think, or something, and mm-hmm. we just never really heard anything back, and figured um, probably got lost in the shuffle or whatever. 
And then all of a sudden one day I started getting all these text messages from people like, hey, I'm, I'm listening to Elton John's radio show and I'm pretty sure he just played your music on it. Unreal. Um, which was, a, yeah, a total surprise. So we went and checked it out and was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. So we shared that, like, you know, I can't believe, um, you know, Elton is, is playing our music on his show. That's so cool. And then um, a couple of weeks later or maybe a month later or so, somebody reached out on email from his show and said um, that he, he wanted me to come on the show. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and that was, you know, even freakier. And then it was like, because he's, you know, he's in England right now. So yep. he, he, they're on British summertime over there. So he called me, he, he was in the studio for him. It was like the middle of the day, but for me, it was like, I can't, it was like seven in the morning or something like yeah. that. I can't remember exactly, but very early, um, especially in musician songwriter time. Uh -huh. Um, and yeah, my, you know, FaceTime rings or whatever and i open it up and there's like elton john like dressed like in this flawless red suit with matching red glasses on of course um, which was like the i mean talk about angel of the morning there, yeah there you yeah go. i mean you stylistically can absolutely hang up there with elton uh <laughs> you do, well, i mean i'm just I'm just wearing my Lee Mavers t-shirt today. Well, I mean, uh, Lee Mavers is great, but I saw, I got a little glimpse of whatever you're wearing, whether they're Zubas or whatever pants oh. you've got on, but those are what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> these bad boys. Um, I, got, I, made, I got them for a music video that I made, um, and uh, I, I, we made the video in like uh, maybe March of 2020 or something like that. I don't think I've taken them off since then. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, they're that comfortable then. Um, Absolutely. I, it got me asking, I was wondering one question. I don't know, you, you're such an amazing songwriter, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinions, because that's just, you go back through what you've done, and I was just immediately attracted to it, and that's why I just reached out to you, just hoping you'd say yes. So thank you so much for saying yes to this. I'm wondering if you had to pick one Elton song to cover during a set, what it might be. Oh God! Well, you know, actually, I have a. This is kind of funny. I have a, a story about this because um, I was opening um, a couple of shows at the end of 2019 mm -hmm. um, for Greta Van Fleet. Oh, nice! And they have. Um, I think a, this. This may even surprise some people. They actually have a very young audience. I think I even initially thought surely their audience is older people that you know loved Led Zeppelin or and there is some of that. Yeah, but it's mainly young people. I was, you know, I was like the, you know, you walk out on stage and and it's like, you know, the first like ten rows or so is just kids that look like they're, you know, anywhere from like, you know, fifteen or sixteen years old to like college age basically, and they started blowing up my Instagram account after the first night that we opened for them, begging me to cover "Crocodile Rock" by Elton John. I wonder why that is.
I had no, I literally have no idea. We, you know, we never like, you know, there was nothing, I guess, I think, honestly, I think they just picked up on a vibe that like, oh, he kind of reminds us of Elton or something, you know? And I think maybe yeah. that's kind of where it was coming from. It's just like this place of, um, you know, we, 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 we see that connection, you know, of, uh, uh, you know, right on down the line, you know? Um, and so, I, you know, I was like, man, you know, you know, kids are the coolest, I think. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, who, it's who rock and roll is really for. You True. know, even though even though the industry has has made it sort of um, more difficult to to um, a more difficult play, world to navigate if you are underage um, in terms of going to shows and stuff like that. Um, you know, the truth is rock and roll is, is for young people. So I, I was so excited they were reaching out and um, I actually did end up working up a version of crocodile rock but i played it on electric guitar instead okay. of piano yeah um and we did it as a power trio just guitar bass and drums um and so it was really really fun to do and and we didn't really have time to rehearse you know so we just walked out on stage in front of four thousand people or whatever it was at the at the metropolitan opera house in philadelphia there and and winged a version of crocodile rock but everybody as soon as we started playing it the place went nuts so it, it was it was a cool moment yeah. Well, okay. Well, that answers the question because you have done it, <laughs> but you, you didn't choose it. The, I the, did not. The, the kids did. Yeah. And we trust the kids. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's jump back a little bit because before you became this, this solo artist and you're in Nashville now, you spent, I don't know how many years in New York City, but one of the things that you did was play with the New York Dolls and were on tour and did a bunch of stuff with them. And I'm just I'm always wondering, like, when someone goes from something like that into a solo career, what they learned from that prior experience and they use today. I mean, um, the dolls are, you know, such an interesting, um, you know, camp to, to be able to spend some time in. Uh -huh. You know, they, um, they really know firsthand um, how fickle the music industry is, you okay. know, and, and, um, and I think, I think it's, I think that it, that would be evident to anyone who really knows the history of rock and roll because the New York dolls are a tremendously influential band in yep. spite of the fact that they were never a particularly famous or popular band. Yeah. Um, they were one of those bands that, you know, probably hundreds of bands have been started as a result of their band having existed. Even bands that sometimes might not necessarily know that where they're coming from was a place that was started by the New York Dolls. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, they are one of those bands. So what I learned more than anything is that it's got, you, it has to be, you have to, um, you have to find you know, the, the, um, you have to find your, your, yourself loving every minute of it. In other words, if you're in a van driving to a show to play to a hundred people in a club and you're thinking someday this is going to get better yeah. or someday this is going to be enjoyable when I'm more famous or something like that, like that's, you're you're already screwed if that's your mentality like yeah. you need to be having just as much fun in that van playing to a hundred people 
as as you are when you get really lucky and get to open for you know whoever or play a big venue or play a big show of of or festival of some kind like it all should be um it all should be equally you know um electrifying for you you know i, I think. think that's fair i really like that perspective just because yeah i think that people can in whether it's a whether you're a musician or a lawyer in law school and you're just like all you can think about is being at the high rise in new york city doing that kind of thing it's like no you got to enjoy the journey i mean that's really what it breaks down to is it's not just about the destination enjoy that whole process yeah and i think it's good to have goals and be ambitious and want to do more and have a bigger audience or you know sell more records or whatever your your goal is but i think the trick is to have fun the whole time yeah. You know, if you can really, I mean, you know, Cowboy Jack is a big guy here and in, in Cowboy Jack Clement here in Nashville. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a big hero of a lot of ours. A lot of us still record at his recording studio um, even, you know, and he used to say, we're not in the music business. We're in the fun business, you know, and it only takes three and a half minutes to cut a hit song, you know, so we may as well enjoy this time while we have it. Yeah. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't think about is that if the if the song is recorded live with all the musicians in the room that three and a half minutes that you just heard on the radio that was just that magic captured in that moment and that's that might never repeat again or it won't repeat again because it's so individualized you can go see it live but it's never going to be exactly like what you just heard and i think that i really like that you did a good job here of segueing for me because i i really like that you were just writing a song because it leads into this next question really well so to me you just seem like you have a bottomless pit of creativity. I, I don't know whether it's just the way that your lyrics hit me. And I just think you do this tongue in cheek thing where you're kind of writing with a little smirk. And I just, I don't know. I really, really like it. And so I'm just wanted you to try and bring me in the audience a little bit into your creative process. So you were just writing a song mm -hmm. or working on something. What kind of happened today to lead up to that? Yeah, I mean, this particular song um, is an interesting one. It's kind of um, almost like a mantra song or something like that. I mean, I think mm. of, of um, you know, folks like George Harrison, certainly, who've, who've done that before. Um, but also even like Lee Mavers, I mean, I'm, I'm repping, I'm repping his shirt. So I'm, I may as well throw some Lee Mavers out there. Um, I just love, I, I love his whole thing so much. Um, any guy that can do everything that Noel Gallagher did for his entire career in one song is definitely a hero of mine. Um, but anyway, you know, he, Lee, Lee has songs like that where he finds these phrases or, um, you know, and they're typically tied to a really catchy melody as well, but he'll just repeat them over and over and over again, almost like a, like a child would or, yeah. a, or, you know, in, uh, or like a nursery rhyme or something. Um, and so the song that I was working on today was definitely, you know, coming from that place. I, I had, I had a line in my mind that was really simple that I really liked a lot. Um, and it's so simple. Sometimes I, I tell people this and they're kind of like, so what, you know, or whatever. Their response is kind of like, eh. But um, I think if you think about it, it's really cool. The line that I came up with is, love, it's sunny, then it's raining. Which I just say over and over again, because that's how it feels. That's how love feels to me. Like, yeah. it feels, you know, it's, it's, very, it's something you have to care for, yep. you know, love. 
it's it's not always going to be you know um, what the connotation of the word is. No. You know, if you're if you're going to truly inhabit the the feeling and the emotion, you have to be ready for you know the fact that it's going to hurt really badly sometimes. You know, and over the course of the song, I slowly morph the lyrics from "It's sunny, then it's raining" to "It's sunny when it's raining." which is also how love feels to me. Absolutely. It can, it can feel, you know, sometimes those sort of like terrifying and really beautiful, exciting things like at the same time, even, you know? So it's really like this song, I, I was really trying hard to have, you know, an economy of words, certainly, uh -huh. you know, to say everything that I wanted to say in a short um, you know, uh, I love when Iggy Pop talks about writing songs and how he was informed um, by that from the Ovaltine competition. He used to write in, <laughs> but it had to be 10 words or less was the deal, you know. Oh, wow. And so he took that approach with songs. Like, let me say what I want to say with as few words as possible. I have been typically a, a more, um, I would say, verbose you know, lyricist. Um, I love words. I love language. Um, I love trying to get all sorts of different things into songs. But what I really came, you know, what I came to today with this song was is just wanting to do something, you know, that was really simple and just said what I wanted to say with no fuss, no like, um, you know, nothing covering up the, the the truth of what was there. So even the little lines and stuff musically that I was coming up with you know, to go along with the chords on guitar, I wrote some little lines and stuff. They're all really simple. They just repeat, you know, in certain sections, just like the vocal does. And so it's kind of like I've I'm I'm I I've I've sort of like tried to make it all one breath, if you will. Yeah. You know, one smooth inhale and one smooth exhale so that the song just feels kind of like a sigh of relief when you hear it you know it's kind of like oh man like yeah love it's sunny when it's raining it's sunny then it's raining like that's just how it is and like yeah. why do i need to feel so um you know intensely about it sometimes it's okay i can i can let go of some of this because that's just how it is you know yeah i, I thank you for that because that's I think that that gives a really good insight. It's almost like you challenge yourself in a way to be like, can we just be this simple? Let me just Ex go for this. And then and it's just like chasing that challenge. Absolutely. I love, you know, and I love to borrow ideas from other places and apply them to songwriting. Yep. The thing that you just said makes me think so much of Miles Davis, you know, who went through a period of his career where his thing was, how much can I say on a solo with one note? True. You know, and 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 when you distill it down to that level of simplicity, you know, you you can learn a lot even about your process. So you know, yeah. even if this song was never something that came out ultimately, I still feel like the time that I've spent on today was worthwhile because it's in it's part of the part of the reason that I was doing it the way I was doing it was was so that it would be informative to me, so that I could learn a little bit about how doing something that simple feels because it's not typically what I do. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. 
the Lyra microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport-and-use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel... Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So... If you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high-quality sound, check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. Yeah, well, and that's going back to what you had talked about before about just the journey of it rather than just focusing on the end result like this is going to be a hit song. It's like this might make it on a record, it might not, but... I'm just going to go down the process because this is what's happening right now. Um, All right, let's talk about the latest album. Yeah. And it's, uh, it came out in February. And if people that are listening, haven't gone and listened to it, please do. And go buy it. Go buy it. That's all I'm saying. Cause it's on sale on the website, which will be linked in the show notes and he's got it on vinyl. So if you've got a record player, go old school with it. And, um, but I want to talk about a couple of the songs. The first one that I want to talk about is computer of love, just cause I don't know, it kind of ties into what we were just saying, but in the sense of a computer now. Um, and this song mentioned things like the death of the guitar and my little avatar. And I'm just, what was going on in your life when these lyrics kind of came to be? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, a lot of those lines just come straight out of my day oftentimes, you know. Um, I'm a very... I'm a very like observational songwriter, even when it's something super personal or even when it's about me. A lot of times I almost feel like I'm watching it happen to me and then writing it down or something, you know. Um, But yeah, those lines, you know, uh, there was, you know, I I think Clapton was in the news, you know, and it'd say, oh, the guitar's over, you know, nothing new can be done with the electric guitar or something like that, you know, and I... I always just la- I, I laugh so you know when I when I see those kinds of things because 
you know, I just feel like so many of those opinions are born of, you know, what, what people are personally experiencing, you yeah. know, and, and if you're a guy like Clapton, like, even if you're trying to have your ear to the ground, you know, it might, it might be difficult because, you know, you can't just like walk into a, uh, well, nobody can anymore, but um, under normal circumstances, even, you, you know, if you're Clapton, you can't just walk into a record store and stand at the listening booth for hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would assume you have to like get in there, get what you want and get out before you get mobbed, probably. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I don't know. I've, I've, uh, that, that line, you know, I'm pretty sure was related to something that I saw that he said in the news. I'm always um at feeling uh like i have to consider you know uh the aspect of the of of what kind of role social media and stuff like that is playing in my life as an artist you know i've i've been i've used it to help build a platform um you know and i think um it can be great for that kind of stuff but then you know you have to maintain it the maintenance of it can yeah taxing on you can be taxing on your on your mental health and and your emotional health and um, you see things that you don't need to see that you don't want to see um, and so I'm I'm always I'm very aware of how I feel about things you know and I think as a songwriter a lot of times I'm just directly channeling that straight into my own lyrics yeah do you think that you have a positive relationship with social media as an artist and someone who's got a little bit more public than a normal person like me? I mean, I do. I, I, I do think so because I, I think the reason that I have a healthy relationship with it is because I think about, I'm aware of the parts of it that are unhealthy for me, yeah. you know, and I'm, and I'm doing my best to, um, to police that in a way, not, not in like an obsessive, like negative way, just in a way of like, man, I want to take care of myself and make sure that I have the energy, you know, and the frame of mind to get up and, and do it again tomorrow. Cause I know that, you know, this, that, that part of my career is like, I'm going to have to get on there and tell people about my shows and tell people about my records and tell people about, you know, whatever else we're doing. So I want to I want to make sure that I that I manage it in a way that it, it can continue to be a place that I can go back to and 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 feel safe in um and that is a challenge in this day and age I feel yeah. like. I think one thing that I like about just following you on Twitter solely is you are really I think that you keep yourself very ear to the ground on new music and artists uh, that aren't necessarily very well known and things like that because I can follow you and wake up and see a couple of tweets that you've sent out. And then I'll be like, Oh, I haven't heard, haven't heard that person. Let me go check that out. And then it's like, this is great music, which is honestly through Chris Pierce, who I interviewed back late wow. last year is how I found you. And I was just like, I love this. I love the, how this chain kind of keeps connecting. And, um, and yeah, you just, your, your reaction right there is perfect for Chris Pierce. Cause I was just blown away by his music. So <laughs> unbelievable so um all right i want you to i hope that you'll take this as a really great compliment because this is the intention but the song up all night saved up all my money and blew all of my money because i really don't really don't really don't care i really don't 
put that on within 15, 20 seconds, in my opinion, this could be a Tom Petty, a Heartbreakers tune on any album that they ever came out with. And I just absolutely love that. So take me through the formation of this song. And I'm wondering, I just have to ask, like, were you listening to Tom Petty or Traveling Wilburys or something like that when you were putting it together? Well, you know, what's interesting about this song is um, it went through several um, iterations before it reached its final um, current form. And uh, where it started out um, was it was something that my um, co-producer, Gregory Latimer, um, put together in his um, studio by himself. And he came to me and he said, I have this chorus and I have these chords and... You know, there were a lot of, even before I made this record, um, and for as long really as I've been making records, um, some some person who's reviewed it at some point in time, no matter which album it is, has said, this reminds me of Tom Petty in some way, shape, or form. Um, in fact, when I was making my very first record in the Blazes, I was recording it in Van Eyes at New Monkey Studios, and this guy showed up, and uh, he was a friend of the producer. And we were working on a song called East Nashville, Song About a Train. And he's standing there and he's kind of listening to the song for a minute. And, uh, and he says, um, uh, he turns to me and he says, man, this kind of reminds me of when I used to work with Tom Petty, this song. Hmm. And I said, uh, I said, oh man, I love Tom. I said, what, what, you know, what did you do with him? And he said, actually, I... I I played on a couple of songs and I said, uh, Oh, wow. Uh, what, what do you want? And, uh, he was like, well, I'm on free falling. Oh, really? (laughs) It turned, it, it turned, it turned out to be Phil Jones. Who's the drummer on all that stuff. Really? um, Who had come over to the studio that day just to visit and and say, Hey, to, to our, our producer, Eli. Um, but yeah, man, you know, so since, since, since I ever even started making my own music, even Phil Jones, who played with Tom, you know, came and, and said that. So I, I am, I'm never offended by it. I love Tom Petty. Um, but I think, I think my, my co-producer Greg was thinking to that end, like, well, if everyone's just going to say it, you know, like, why don't, why don't we, you know, why don't we just, you know, get, get, get this over with or whatever. Let's just um, double down on it. Yeah, like almost kind of in a punk rock way, kind of like fuck these people. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, fine, here you go. You know, um, and uh, so he, so he had written that, and it did sound very pettyish. Um, and I wrote some verse lyrics, and um, we tried a version of the song um, that I had the verse lyrics to, and there was just something about it. It just felt a little too. Um, on the nose, I think, or something. Um, and it, you know, I thought it's fine to, you know, definitely have a petty vibe, but we need to have our own stamp on it as well. We can't just do a straight up rip. Um, so I rewrote the song on piano and that's, and that's where that synth riff that you hear, there's a very insistent. Oh yeah, definitely. Kind of happening. Um, through the whole song. Um, and that was based off of the the way that I had written rewrote the song on the piano. And when I rewrote the song on the piano, the verses um, came to me in a different way, a whole new set of words. Everything just kind of coalesced. And that was, 
you know, again, after Greg had already demoed the song, then I wrote lyrics to it. Then we did a demo of that version. And, you know, I'm never, here's the thing about me. I'm never afraid um, to, to continue to work on a song, um, no matter what that means, as long as I really feel like it's making it better. You okay. know, I'm never afraid to, to scrap a lyric. And oftentimes with almost every song I do, I'm, I'm writing the lyrics anyway, up until the moment I sing it on the record, um, because I really take my time with words and stuff like that on this, on the song. So it, you know, it all has to, it all has to flow. It doesn't necessarily have to like mean a bunch of amazing stuff, but it just has to flow and, and sing right and phrase right. And you can tell when you're singing this, or at least I feel like I can tell when I'm singing the song. So when we got to that third time where I was doing it with the piano and the synthesizer stuff and like, you know, less focus on the guitar and more focus on that. Um, and then kind of creating this world around it that felt like sonically, you know, um, it owed things to everything from like ELO to like Roy Orbison, you yeah. know, um, it felt like a good fit. Cause it's like, well, that's the traveling Wilburys, which Tom yeah. was a part of. So, yeah. which I also love, you know, so it kind of, it became this blend of, of things, you know, and then also, you know, through some of the psychedelic elements and some of the stuff I did with the guitar work and making that sound more like keyboards and stuff like that, like it started to kind of get its own voice a little bit. Um, I never am worried about wearing my influences on my sleeve, but I want to always make sure that my voice you know, is my stamp is like, is present and is part of that. And is, and is, and is, and there's enough of it there that people can just feel that naturally when they hear it. Yeah. Do you think when I listen to this versus past albums, I'm hearing a little bit more production, a few more layers of sound and things like that. Are you experimenting more? Are you getting more comfortable in a studio? What do you think attributes to that kind of thing with this album? I think I wanted to ultimately just make a songwriter record where the songs were the focus that also felt sonically interesting and exciting to me. I'm a huge yeah. fan of simplicity as well. I love an album like Tree of Forgiveness by John Prine that Dave Cobb produced. Yeah. I think that is just all of those people like absolutely in their element, you know. Nobody was you know still no one's writing songs as as good as John Prine in in Nashville anyway. Yeah. Um and and Dave Cobb you know, his sensibilities around songwriter records like that to me is is pretty flawless. I mean, his work certainly with Jason Isbell is phenomenal. Oh, his gosh. work with Brandy Carlisle is phenomenal. I mean, you have to admit when it comes to that kind of stuff, like that guy really, really is on the ball and, and does a fantastic job. I think I wanted to say like, maybe, okay, you know, I love that, but then there's also like another thing that we can bring to the table there and and have you know a record that feels like um as much you know thought um and effort has been put behind an interesting you know more layered production yeah. as has been the songs so it was kind of a, trying to marry those two worlds together on this album and create something that felt intimate like a songwriter record but then also had you know, sort of more interesting 
you know, I love Brian Wilson, obviously. Yeah. Um, um, but I also love Tame Impala and, and, and stuff like that, that I listened to just for the production a lot of times. So yeah. trying to marry those two things was the idea. Good job. Thank a, you. <laughs> really good job. And a good job explaining it too, because it's not an easy thing to like touch on to be like, how can I, I mean, it's not easy to do just in a studio or anywhere, but it's also just like trying to explain that sort of vision isn't that easy and i think you articulated it really well so great job um all right oh thank i've got a one kind of one to two more questions and i it's gonna take oh, yeah. us back You're into totally your catalog it. a little bit and I, I i love that you love sitting here and talking about this because i i do too and but these are the first two songs that i heard of yours and was just immediately drawn in and honestly i think i've played um the trouble with drinking to the point where my girlfriend is just like <sighs> I mean, she loves it, but she's just like, this is just on repeat. What's going on? And then I sit there and try and learn it. And I'm just like, is that an F sharp? What is it? What's going on? And I just absolutely love it so much. And then you've got another one, 12 Bar Blues. I've sung songs in about nine bars in East Nashville, Tennessee. And I know that I've been to at least 10. I always go back to good old 11th Street Bar in New York City. When the 12 bar blues has got me down again. Got 12 bar blues. Too many bars to choose. And I want to ask first about 12 bar blues because I, I just think that this epitomizes in my head how you are just so smart lyrically and I just wanted to I was just sitting there being like I I can see where the seed would be planted and start to grow for a song like this because of the idea of 12 bars and blues and all of that but is that kind of what happened was you just got that idea in your head and you're like how can I go one through 12 here and not be talking about the 12 bar blues but be talking about that as well as like bars that I've maybe have gone to in my life. I just love it. I mean, it was definitely, it definitely fell into the category at that time for me of write what you know, or, you know, write the truth or whatever. Yeah. Um, that was just my experience, you know, and when I lived in New York, I was a bar fly, basically, you know, I would, I would go to 11th street bar, which I mentioned in that song, uh -huh. um, just about every day of the week and oftentimes I would get there when it opened um, at, uh, what time did it open? Uh, I think it was like, you know, noon or something like that, you know? And, I, and, I'd, and I'd sit there until my friend Clay, who worked over at the Varvedos store um, on Bowery, you know, he'd get off of work and then he'd come over and, 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 and we'd sit there, you know? and. <laughs> And then, you know, and then and then at the end of the night, everyone would leave and Kenny would lock the door and put on Tom Petty's greatest hits. And we would all sit there and smoke cigarettes and, and talk about <laughs> Tom and how much we love Tom, you know. So it was very that part, you know, that was my life, you know, really for a long time, you know. Um, maybe that's what it is, because I just seem to relate to that. And maybe I had the similar experience I mean, I'm still a barfly. I just, the, the last year of not, like, I say this all the time, like, I just want to go belly up 
and just have a shot of whiskey and a beer and just talk to a stranger. I just think about it all the time. And I'm in Florida now, so it's actually possible, but you got to be a little bit cautious. So, but I'm, um, I'm, I, that's, that's where I think it brought me. It just kind of brought me to this every line that you sing. I'm like, it's relatable. And I just think that that's the power of, of really good songwriting is if somebody's had that experience, they hear this. And for me, I can't articulate it, but you were able to. And I just, I, I love that. Oh, thanks, man. I, I mean, I love, I think that's one of the things that's powerful about, about songs for the listener is, is being seen or feeling seen in a song that you're hearing, you know, it's almost like, um, figuring out someone's also a fan of the same sports team that you are or something. It's an instant thing that bonds you with everyone else in the room who's having that same experience and with the artist who's on stage sharing that song. I mean, you know, I think it was Kant was the, um, K-A-N-T, um, was the philosopher who used to say music is the highest of all art forms because it exists in all of these places at the same time it's on the music it's on the sheet of the music of the person that's playing it it's in the head of the person that wrote it it's in the ears and the minds of the audience that's hearing it it's in the it's in the thoughts and the feelings of the musician that's playing it and and it's occupying all these physical and non-physical spaces physical and spiritual spaces simultaneously you know it's one of the few things um, that exist in the world that are are like that. That's 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 actual magic, you know. Which is like when you you know um, when you um, use uh, you know when you affect uh, you know something in the real world, um, you know, with 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 something that isn't like a tangible, you know, real thing. You know, yeah. to me, that's what magic is, you know, and that and a song is magic because it's not like a tangible thing that you can hold in your hand or put on or wear or anything like that. But it affects the world around you just the same, you know, the same way that it that it would if you spilled a drink on somebody on accident or, you know, um, gave someone a high five or whatever, you know, it yeah. changes the molecules in the room. And that's why I, I love songs so much. What's, what do you got coming up? Are you starting to book some shows? I am. Yeah. So we're going to do like, you know, my first, very first show is going to be a solo show on the rooftop of a hotel downtown in Nashville love it. Um, called the Bobby hotel. And I'm doing that at the end of this month. And then for the rest of the summer, I'm going to be doing a series of of kind of outdoor concerts that is going to be in in parks and outdoor amphitheaters and stuff like that. A lot of these shows are going to be free for people to come. um, And they're going to be in really beautiful, interesting spots, some of which I've never been to in my entire life. We're going to Kokomo, Indiana. We're going to... (laughs) Which is, I assume, where the Beach Boys were talking about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if if there's anything we know about Mike Love, it's that he probably would confuse Indiana for a tropical paradise. Easy. (laughs) That's going to be, well, I'm really happy to hear that. And then my last question is, connect the chain for me. Who's got some music coming out that I should talk to next? Oh, gosh, I love that question. And um, there's some really good ones. I'll tell you who my current favorite is. Love it. 
um, a, a young lady from here in Nashville, Tennessee. Actually, I don't know if she's from here. She lives here now. I don't know where she's from, but um, she, her current hometown is, is Nashville, Tennessee. Her, she goes, just like Madonna, she only <laughs> needs one name. And, uh, and, her, and, and she goes by Tristan, uh, T-R-I-S-T-E-N. Okay. Um, and she made one of my favorite albums of, of, of all time that I still listen to a lot in 2017 called Sneaker Waves. And her new, so- her new songs, uh, she's dropped, I think, three new singles at this point from the record. They're all absolutely phenomenal. She's an incredible writer. Um, she is able to write often... To me, at least, she's able to write sometimes from her shadow self perspective in this way that I really identify with, um, where it's 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 that sense of these are things about myself that I would probably be more comfortable pushing down in some way or forgetting about or trying to ignore or whatever. And she'll just bring that right to the forefront of the song, but she does it with so much compassion for herself and for others. She really is a tremendous writer. Um, So I highly, highly recommend listening to anything by her, but her new music is, is, is just as good, if not better than anything she's ever done. And I I can't wait for the new record to come out. I think it comes out either at the end of this month or at the beginning of June. So it'll be, it won't be long before we can hear it. Can't wait. And we got a little bit of a sneak peek into, we know that you're writing something. If anybody went on to, I think it was Apple music where you got to talk to Sir Elton you did tell him that you are in the writing process again already. Um, so obviously super excited about that. And just, Aaron, thank you so much, man. I really, really enjoyed this thoroughly. My pleasure. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. I love that you're doing this. There's nothing cooler in my mind than talking about songs. So thanks for doing what you do. I really could not be more appreciative to Aaron for coming on and talking. He is just such a fun person and an incredibly talented songwriter, singer, and guitar player. So thank you so very much. As always, guys, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com and have yourself a great day. Get your song facts right here.